Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's Let's ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. All right. Well, what is up, Dodger fans? Hope you're having a lovely day out there. This is another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We are presented by Tick Pick and Fan Sided. And this is Kevin Klein speaking. Your Los Angeles Dodgers are making moves. I mean, the stove is red hot right now. We are on fire, baby. We'll get into the trades in a little bit. Today was a massive day for other reasons, though. The Shohei Otani press conference did go down today. And I must say, it was definitely more on the kind of low-key, heartfelt, no no drama side. But Jake Reiner, how you doing? What were your thoughts on today's Shohei Otani press conference? Well, like you, Kevin, I tuned in at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to watch the newest Dodger put on a Dodger uniform, boy, I've never seen a Dodger uniform look so good, right? I mean, that, just the, the the crispy home whites on Shohei Otani, I can't even believe that it's actually happened. Like, this is unbelievable. Um, the fanfare was unreal. The Otani was kind of joking that he didn't expect this many people to show up. He said it was just a, a media event. Well, it Turns out that it was just a media event. They, there's, but there's a lot of interested parties uh, in Shohei Otani joining the Dodgers. But this is a, a beautiful day for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And we also got some breaking news kind of right after all the festivities uh, surrounding Shohei. What's up, Trey B? What's up, Rick? Harris highlights. That might be Blake Harris. What's up, Blake? It was a great day for the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Shohei Otani press conference went about went in the manner that I kind of expected versus I guess that was 2021 where the Trevor Bauer press conference felt kind of tense, even though, you know, Trevor Bauer was all in to win. You could tell there was a lot of tension from the media. This one was pretty low key. This was calm. Um, The turnout was insane. That looked like there were like probably 300 media members in there. So I feel bad for the people that showed up and didn't get to ask a question. But yeah, this was great. 
this kind of just confirmed everything that we knew already. Shohei Otani is all in to win. He just reiterated what the Dodgers' intentions are as well, which is to, of course, win a World Series. And that was one of the biggest driving factors to bring Shohei Otani across the I-5 and welcome him into a Dodgers uniform. We're slowly getting other news leaking about other teams that were aggressive in Otani. The San Francisco Giants claim that they basically offered the same exact deal uh, to Shohei Otani, and he refused that $700 million. We don't know the exact dollar figure from the Toronto Blue Jays, but they claim that they were pretty close as well. The Angels, on the other hand, I have a feeling they weren't very close in terms of what they offered for Otani, but maybe we'll get an answer down the line. But obviously what this tells me is that he wanted to be a Dodger. That was always his game plan. It didn't matter about the location. It mattered more about the organization. And it's just little things that we're learning by each day, such as the, the opt-out clause. If Andrew Freeman or Mark Walter were to depart from the Dodgers organization, Shohei Otani would be able to opt out of his contract and test free agency. Did you have any thoughts on that, Jake? That was an interesting move by Otani. It seemed as though he kind of orchestrated all of this. It was all his idea. The deferments was his idea. The uh, attaching Andrew Friedman and Mark Walter to his deal was kind of his idea. So to me, all that means is, is that he's ready to win. And you were talking about how there were other teams involved. And we heard about the other teams involved, the Blue Jays, the Giants, the Yankees at one point, maybe the Mets at one point, the Cubs at one point, but there's really only one organization that can guarantee you a winning success, at least getting to the playoffs. Uh, and that's the Dodgers. There's no other team out there that can really guarantee you what they could guarantee with Shohei Otani. And I thought one of the interesting parts of that press conference was what Otani revealed about conversations he had with the ownership group about where what they've you know how they've assessed themselves over the last 10 years and he essentially said despite winning a world series in 2020 and despite making the playoffs every year and basically winning the division every year they viewed the last 10 years as failures every year that they didn't make yeah. didn't win a world series those were considered failures i love that language cuz that's how us fans view it when you're a team that is World Series or bust every single season, that is the only goal. Obviously, adding Otani just adds to the pressure. We talked about that last time. It adds to the pressure of making the World Series and winning it and having that pressure on this team uh, is, is even larger than it ever was. But as Dodgers fans, we've been dealing with this for a long time now because this team and this franchise has been so successful. So... The fact that their visions of winning lined up so perfectly, I mean, you can't think of a better marriage than that. No harmony. I don't think it's interesting that Dave Roberts wasn't in that opt-out clause. That would be kind of foolish in my opinion. Dave Roberts has obviously proven he's one of the best Dodgers managers in franchise history, but let's, let's pump the brakes here. He's no Phil Jackson. He's no Tommy Lasorda. This isn't exactly a guy that has the best tracker record yet in terms of playoff success, but the two guys that assemble this team are clearly Mark Walter and Andrew Freeman. Dave Roberts obviously has an assist as well, but to give the manager that much power, uh, that would be kind of, that would be too much in my opinion. You, you can't do that. That that could disrupt the clubhouse in my opinion. Um, I agree. But yeah, 
back to where we were going with this Otani press conference. A few things that I'm glad we got answers with. One, we found out the dog's name. We can confirm that his name is not Dodger. It's a few names. Decoy is the nickname. Copin is the Japanese name. And I guess he has a nick- nickname of Dicklebean. So for everyone that was having these conspiracy theories about uh, Dodger or Walker or whatever the dog's name is, it is not related to the Los Angeles Dodgers. So we can cross out that. Hey, but it starts with a D. <laughs> Does start with a D. We can we can cross out those conspiracy theories. Um, some I forget her name, but I think she worked for the Associated Press. She inquired about Shohei Otani's elbow and was wondering, you know, what what's the story with the elbow? Why didn't you officially declare what type of elbow surgery it was? And Otani uh, responded respectfully, saying. He doesn't entirely know. It's not really his department to answer that type of question, but he did mention something along the lines, I think, to Fabian as a follow-up that it was a different uh, elbow procedure than the initial first-time elbow surgery he had, which I believe was Tommy John surgery, as opposed to this time. I'm not really sure what type of other elbow surgeries you can really have that aren't Tommy John, but um, whether Otani is trying to dodge the questions or didn't Well, really- I, I don't think... I, I think he honestly doesn't know because it was a different procedure than Tommy John. And from what I saw in in reporting afterwards is that apparently whatever this injury or surgery that he had, the recovery time seems to be a lot quicker than Tommy John recovery. So it does differ in a way. So I, I don't know if he, I don't think he was trying to, to dodge the question, but I did find it funny that at the end, he basically said, you know, you can ask my doctor, my doctor can tell yeah. you what it is that happened. So that was kind of funny. Definitely. And then the other thing that was fascinating to me was he he basically said he made up his decision the night before he announced his signing or the move that was going to come on his Instagram. And we all know what day that was. That was when all these Toronto Blue Jays rumors were swirling he was on a flight to Toronto. Then the next minute, that was false. He was not on a flight. You had, obviously, uh, JP Hornstra. We don't need to get into this again, but he said the deal was done. He was going to the Blue Jays. So I kind of wonder if all this news kind of had Otani fed up and was like, okay, um, I got to just close this case and make make the announcement tomorrow. Or on the flip side of things, I don't. I really don't know how far up until these negotiations did things come to i don't know if the dodgers had solidified things that day the same day with all these rumors or it was a few days prior um but yeah the timing of all that was just kind of interesting to get conclusions on what was a, a real crazy two days yeah and he says that it was a very tough decision for him to make and that he wanted to thank all of the teams that were all the other teams that were involved in the negotiations, very diplomatic approach to all this. But I think we can kind of conclude that this decision really wasn't that hard. Honestly, this is a, a no brainer um, given what Otani wants to do with his career, which is win world series titles. And I think that mentality is what I've is what we've been missing as Dodgers fans. I think personally, because when you go back to where when the Dodgers were eliminated from the National League Division Series last year, and you had Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, the two leaders of this team, going a combined one for 21 during the postseason, I didn't feel like in the 
post-game press conferences that that followed, and especially uh, adding to that Dave Roberts, I never felt that these guys were actually upset or bothered by losing. And for Otani to be kind of wasting away, so to speak, in Anaheim now, he didn't waste away personally. I mean, he won a few MVPs, Rookie of the Year, and all that stuff, so he was stellar. But wasting away in the sense that he knew he was not going anywhere and to feel just the despair of not winning and not even not winning, but not even having a shot to win anything must have fueled him in this, in this path to becoming a Dodger. And as a Dodgers fan, I don't think you could want anything else. You want a guy that is a, you know, uh, one of the greatest players to ever live. I mean, when it, when it's all said and done, He's definitely going to be in the conversation of the greatest player that ever lived. Certainly the best player in baseball currently to have that guy have the mentality of, I want to win at, 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 at all costs is so refreshing. And it reminds me of kind of the mentality that Kobe Bryant had when he was a player or that Michael Jordan had when he was a player, those kind of franchise altering players that have that mentality of like, you've all got to buy in because I want to win. And I'm going to be upset if we don't win. I don't think you can ask for anything more than that. Oh, I agree 100%. And I, those are great comparisons to compare Shohei Otani to. I mean, Shohei Otani at this point is an immortal in terms of the all-time greats in baseball. And I kind of wonder moving forward how much of a pool Otani is going to have with the Dodgers front office and ownership in terms of players that they're going to go out and acquire and all that. I mean, LeBron James is obviously a great example with the Lakers and his previous teams. He was always involved with what players they were going to bring into the organization. And I kind of have to think, all things considered, Shohei Otani, maybe they give him his first year to get settled in, but uh, the next ten, nine years down the line, I, I have a great feeling, and we'll get to Yamamoto in a second, which is going to be one center of influence, but Otani, I, I believe, is going to be deeply involved in all the big name acquisitions in free agency moving forward. A hundred percent. And even before the press conference today, he was at the Yamamoto meeting. So he's already yep. recruiting guys and wanting to build a winner here in Los Angeles. And of course, with those deferred payments, that's going to make the Dodgers front office job easier to do that. Want to thank everyone who's watching right now. If you haven't hit that like button, please hit the like button for us. That'll just bring in more viewership. Get that chat interactive. If you haven't subscribed to this show yet, hit that subscribe button too. We have a lots of Otani talk to dive into all offseason long and name acquisitions that the Dodgers are going to bring home. Uh, thank you, Sergio Morales, for joining us. Sam, uh, Janello Kitty, Blaine, Blaine Tain, and Ivy, what's up? So we'll get to some questions in a few minutes, but we still got some more stuff to talk about. So let's get to Yoshinobu Yamamoto because the Dodgers did meet with him just a few days ago and we got confirmation that freddie freeman shohei otani and will smith along with i believe dave roberts were in this meeting at first it was reported mookie betts was there but then i guess he wasn't there um john Heyman, along with some other baseball insiders are reporting that it's going to come down to at this point the dodgers and the yankees they're the two co-favorites and it's literally a coin flip this could go either way um i think with all things looking the way they do on paper becoming some serious momentum between the Dodgers and Yamamoto. And I feel like they're really, really close in terms of getting a deal done. Um, initially, I was kind of hesitant to give him 300 million, but given that the Otani deferrals are one thing, and now they've got Tyler Glass now on 
at least somewhat of a team-friendly contract because uh, because of the $4 million that Tampa Bay is going to give us, along with the Dodgers just being so low on the CBT, they can pay Yamamoto, and they can be perfectly fine. Yeah, I agree. And one other little nugget that I learned over the past few days, apparently Japanese-born players have an issue with playing with other Japanese-born players on the same American team. Um, but apparently Yamamoto does not feel that way. He has more of an open mind to playing with other Japanese born players. Just by the fact that he, uh, Yamamoto and Otani won the, the world baseball classic together. So they, they, he's got a taste of what it's like to win with Otani, which I think the Dodgers have the edge there. And I know that uh, some people were were clowning Will Smith for being at that meeting, you know, as sort of like, a, you know, what, what could he possibly bring to the table? I thought it was great that Will Smith was there because that's your potential catcher right there. So to bring that guy to the table and say, I'm, I'm here, I want you to come to the team, I'm going to be your everyday catcher, I thought was huge. I don't know what happened with Mookie Betts kind of strange. I don't want to really read into it too much because we don't have all the details, but apparently it was reported that he was supposed to be there and then had some sort of business thing to where he couldn't make it. Just a little fishy. Mookie Betts, I I think we need a uh, an attitude readjustment from him. Hopefully Otani can bring that out of him because it just I I want him focused on winning. I want him to to buy in. I want him to show that he that he really does want to win at all costs. That's all I care about. The biggest thing for Mookie Betts is going to have to be him showing up in the postseason because 100%. all 162 games of Mookie Betts in the regular season, he was playing at an MVP level. He did have a different attitude. He looked like he was all in on winning. He was playing all around the diamond too. I mean, he played right field, second base, shortstop. He was doing anything to win at all costs. And then for whatever reason, the entire team tanked in October. I don't need to dread on the past, but... Let's get into some more topics here. We'll save the we'll save the fun one for uh, a few minutes from now. But Dodgers made a minor league deal just yesterday. They brought back Daniel Hudson, who has been with the Dodgers for two seasons now, and it's a minor league deal. I absolutely love this move for the Dodgers for a couple reasons. First of all, it's a minor league deal, so he's not going to be on the forty man roster. You don't have to DFA anyone right now to bring him aboard. Um, second of all, we've seen what Daniel Hudson is for the Dodgers when he's healthy. He's been one of the best setup relievers in all of Major League Baseball. Dating back to 2022, he had a 222 ERA, and then he blew out his knee. Then he came back in 2023 and pitched like one game and then blew out his knee, other knee. So for this contract, it's basically a minor league deal right now. If he can make the Major League Club, he'll get $2 million up front. And then there's about another two, two and a half million in incentives. I don't know what those terms are, but um, I view Daniel Hudson just as a great insurance policy right now because we don't know what we're going to get out of Blake Trinan. He hasn't really thrown the ball in two seasons. Joe Kelly, as great as he is, he's kind of a wild card in terms of his durability and health. He could blow out his elbow any minute now. And then are we really convinced that Yency Almonte is a legitimate major league re reliable reliever for the Dodgers anymore two consecutive seasons he basically missed the second half yeah I th this is the the what what the Dodgers do um with their relievers they 
the injured ones. I mean, they brought, they bring them all back. Doesn't matter. I mean, Blake trying to get an extension, Daniel Hudson gets brought back. I mean, that's just kind of their thing. Cause it's just the hope that like they can be healthy because we know how good Daniel Hudson is. I mean, when, whenever he's been healthy, he's been electric. Same with Blake Trinan. Um, you're just hoping that one of these guys can come back at full strength. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's a minor league deal. It's a, it's a kind of low risk, high reward type of thing that they like to do. So let's, let's see what happens. I, I'm still fighting to bring back Ryan Brazier because I just don't feel like letting that guy walk is a smart decision given what he meant to this team all last season. And I don't want another Chris Martin situation where we let a guy walk that we should have kept. And the, the bullpen is, is going to be, you know, just as important as the starting rotation because we know that the starting rotation is a bit injury prone. I mean, talk about bringing back Kershaw. He's injury prone. The glass now trade, he's injury prone. So you got a lot of guys that, you know, you can't fully rely on yet. And so that bullpen is going to be key and you're going to need guys like Brazier in there. So I'm hoping that they can work out a deal to bring him back. What kind of contract do you think Ryan Brazier is trying to fetch right now? If I had to guess, it'd be similar to the Chris Martin contract, which is a name you just brought up. Two years, five-ish million a year? Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It, it was uh, He used the Dodgers as a rebuilding process. He was terrible with the Red Sox uh, at the earlier part of 2022 and then came to the Dodgers and revitalized his career. How many times have we heard that story? So, yeah, I, I agree that that he's probably going to get somewhere on the, the, the Chris Martin deal. Yeah, the Dodgers really should try to bring him back unless he's just adamant and doesn't want to return to the club, which I don't really think that's a possibility, but you never know. Some guys just don't like L.A. Um, they Maybe Brazier was using the Dodgers, but again, I'm just speculating. But he, he felt like a great cultural fit. He was excellent as a high leverage reliever. The Dodgers, in my opinion, could use one more high leverage arm, and we know what we got from Ryan Brazier. So they really should try to bring him back at, at all at all um, reasonable costs yeah i agree i mean he's he's a, he was a staple in that bullpen and we know dave roberts likes to use guys with quote-unquote rubber arms uh he likes to use ryan brazier a lot so it just it just would make the most sense all right we're gonna take a quick commercial break here the the incline dodgers is presented by tick pick they are the best ticketing broker site out there Screw those Ticketmaster fees. Screw all those SeatGeek and StubHub fees. You can get the same and lower competitive prices over at TickPick to pretty much any event on your mind, whether it's Major League Baseball games. We've got the Dodgers season coming up. You can get tickets early now. If you're in into NFL or NBA, you can go to TickPick, get those deals. No service fees at checkout. Concerts all around the nation. So download the app. Check out TickPick. You can go to their website or social media as well. They have some promo deals every now and then. Um, the holidays are literally right around the corner, 11 days till Christmas. Um, I love Christmas lights. I love Christmas events. So go check it out. Check out TickPick. So let's get back to the show. The Dodgers were flirting with this move for a few days now. It had leaked. So credit to, credit to where credit is due because... Bruce Kuntz was on this. I hope I didn't say his name wrong, but he, along with um, one other rep uh, reporter or insider that works for MLB Nerds, were on it. They nailed the package. I actually was leaked 
the Tyler Glassdown news earlier in that day as well. And I kind of kept it to myself, kept it internal with Jake and uh, David, but it's a, it's nearly official. Tyler Glassdown has agreed to an extension. We don't know the terms yet. Maybe we'll get that on this episode, but I'm fired up for this trade. I fucking love it. To be honest, the Dodgers needed to get an ACE like arm. Now he's not the most durable and healthy arm, but I did actually say just a few days ago on our last episode on Monday that who I thought were the most realistic targets. And I said, Tyler Glassdown was that guy. Well, now here he is. He's going to be wearing a Dodgers uniform. I love the move. He's only 30. You know, you, you think he's a little older, but 30 is literally the prime of your career. And he's from Santa Clarita. So he is local. He went to Hart high school last season for the Tampa Bay Rays. He made 21 appearances, went 10 and 7, 353 ERA, but 162 strikeouts over 120 innings pitched. That's a 12.2 K through nine. And this guy has some filthy stuff. I'll get back into that in just a second. Um, so I guess I should say what the full trade is. The Dodgers acquired Tyler Glasnow and Manuel Margot in exchange for Don- Johnny DeLuca and Ryan Pepio. So Jake, what are your thoughts on this trade? Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, when I first took a look at it, I I wasn't too uh, jazzed about it just because I don't really believe in giving up one of your starting pitchers for another starting pitcher, given how much the Dodgers need starting pitching. And I really was encouraged by what Ryan Pepio did uh, towards the end of last year. Obviously, he was dealing with an injury most of 2022, but when he came back, he looked like an absolute stud. And then there was the controversy about him not appearing in the postseason uh, and wondering why that was. Some people speculated that the Dodgers didn't really trust him or that maybe they they trusted Lance Lynn more. We know how that ended up. But I was looking forward to seeing Ryan Pepio make another, you know, get another crack at being in the Dodgers rotation. Um, so that's the, that to me is, is a hard, tough pill to swallow. Um, Johnny DeLuca 
is a guy that I thought that, you know, could have turned into something. He showed some flashes when they brought him up. So it was, it was hard to see, you know, kind of what his full potential was going to be. So you, you don't know what you're, what you're getting, what you're going to give up, right? You don't know eventually what these guys are going to turn out to be. And I just felt that with Glasnow, with his injury history, he's never thrown more than 120 innings in a season um, with the Dodgers kind of needing guys to eat innings for the entire season and how banged up their rotation was last year. Adding another injury prone guy to the rotation is not ideal, but with the extension reported as a possibility as a, as sort of the, uh, the, what sweetens this deal for the Dodgers, that, that makes sense to me because then you can commit more than one season. You're not putting all your eggs in, in one basket and hoping that he'll be healthy for an entire season. But I still feel like their work is not done. Obviously, they're in on Yamamoto, and they've been in on trades for other starting pitchers, and they've been out in the free agent market as well. So I think that they still need work to do on the pitching side. But if Glasnow is healthy and he makes it through a whole season, and not only that, like if he's healthy for the playoffs, this is a fantastic trade. I just don't trust it because I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen him really put together like a full season plus the playoffs. So that's what I'm a little worried about. I know you weren't too high on this trade initially. I know David Rosenthal, who's out right now as he's uh, recovering from an illness, hated the trade. So I would have loved his thoughts on this to make the show kind of more dynamic. But I have so many thoughts on just this move in general. Uh, we'll start with Ryan Pepio, or we'll go to Ryan Pepio. I was the only one who was saying, don't give up on Ryan. Almost everybody wrote this guy off because he had like four major league starts, his unofficial rookie season because he was walking guys like crazy. But I saw the stuff. I knew once he got his mechanics down, he was going to be a legitimate arm. And then I hyped him up all spring training. And of course he injured his lat, which pretty much kept him out the duration of the season until he was able to come in at the very end. I believe he made like seven or eight starts had a ridiculously low ERA. Uh, he went two and one with two fourteen ERA, forty two innings, thirty eight strikeouts, and 076 WHIP. But I mean, you have to put things in perspective here. The Rays weren't throwing away their season. Like True. to give up Tyler Glass now, they didn't want, they couldn't afford him anymore. But at the same time, we know that the Tampa Bay Rays aren't purposely trying to tank. They're going to try to win still, but at a lower payroll. So this trade really lined up for both sides because the Dodgers had to give up a controllable younger arm who I believe still has five years left of control um, in exchange for the Dodgers to essentially upgrade at the starting pitcher rotation. And Jake mentioned it earlier. They didn't trust Ryan Pepio to go in the postseason, even though he was arguably their second best pitcher at the time. And so it clears up one issue is, first of all, we don't have to go into next season now worrying about Ryan Pepio as a starter in the postseason with no playoff experience because he won't have that under his belt versus Tyler Glass now, who hasn't exactly had the best track record in the postseason. But if there is something that is encouraging, he at least has a lot of postseason experience up to this point in his career. I mean, I wrote it down. Where is it? He he's made 10 postseason starts. He had a 572 ERA, which isn't great in all, but 
let's be fair here. 10 of the 29 earned runs that he gave up were to the 2020 World Series champion Los Angeles Dodgers. So if you're going to get owned by a team, at least you know it's a legitimate, awesome, one of the all-time best teams, which was that 2020 Dodgers team. So I feel better about guys like Max Muncy and Cody Bellinger and Justin Turner teeing off on him because I know those were some of the best players at that moment in time. And so I feel good about Tyler Glass now. Where he fits into this Dodgers rotation right now, I guess he could be their ace. But also Jake mentioned, you know, you gave up one of your rotation guys for a rotation guy. So they're pretty much still at square one. That means they still have to acquire at least one more starting pitcher, if not two. Yeah, they have to. I mean, you can't you can't just rest on your laurels with Tyler Glass now, even as good as he's going to, going to be. Hopefully, I mean, all it's about availability for him. It's like yeah. it's like Anthony Davis, right? It's like he's only as good as he's as his availability because if he's available, he's going to play well. And same with Tyler Glass now. If he's available, he's going to pitch well. Um, so the Dodgers have a lot of question marks. What do you do with Kershaw? You know, like I know that uh, Dave Vasse had Kershaw on uh, Dodger talk and Kershaw was kind of noncommittal as to what his plans were for next season, but he did say that he plans on pitching, but Kershaw too is coming off a surgery. So, you know, it's just, there's just, we, we need, we need a, we need a reliable starter in there um, at the top of the rotation. Maybe Yamamoto's the guy. Or, you know, maybe it's uh, Montgomery, either one, um, just a just a guy that 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 can eat innings. That's that's kind of what we need. We're also getting a second year of Bobby Miller, which I'm excited about. Or maybe, a, you know, a full season of Bobby Miller uh, in yep. the Dodgers rotation. And then we don't know what we're going to get with Walker Bueller either. It would be great if Walker was is 100 percent healthy and ready to go. But coming off his second Tommy John. You never know what's going to happen with him. Um, so there's just a lot that is up in the air at this point. So I'm hoping that they can get uh, one or two more starters that you know are going to be available. Yeah, and I saw it in the chat earlier from Michael Carrillo. It does make a lot of sense, and I agree that the Dodgers did sell high on Ryan Pepio. I mean, they still have a lot of great arms that are really young and a bright future ahead. Clearly, they're higher on Emmett Sheehan, Bobby Miller, who you just mentioned. We'll see if Gavin Stone gets a second shot with the Dodgers, but he is supposed to be, at the end of the day, just as good, if not better, than Ryan Pepio. And then Kyle Hurt, River Ryan, and Landon Knack are some great options who are going to get appearances at the Major League level for the Dodgers next season. And so you give up Ryan Pepio, who once appeared on this podcast, and, you know, it hurts me that they had to trade him, but you're getting a guy who has some of the best stuff in Major League Baseball, and I'm not making that up. Last season, he was the eighth best player in Corey, according to the Stuff Plus Fangraph metrics. I mean, he was one player ahead of guys like Garrett Cole. He was a few players behind of Corbin Burns, some of the best of the best. He throws arguably the best curveball in Major League Baseball. Last season, his curveball had an 095 batting average against a whiff percentage of over 50%, 51.6 whiff percentage. That's a strikeout machine as well. I mean, I already mentioned 162 strikeouts, over 120 innings thrown, 21 starts, 
that's kind of in line with what we were getting from all the rest of the Dodgers last season. It's going to come down to workload, keeping him healthy um, and avoiding another costly injury. But when he is healthy, we're talking about a guy that averages 96 and a half miles per hour on his fastball. I don't really know what extension means yet in terms of advanced metrics, but I'm seeing that more and more. His uh, percentile was 99 out of 100. His whiff percentage was 95 out of 100. So all the uh, all the metrics and the advanced stats love this guy. 121 stuff plus. This guy is filthy. It is disappointing they weren't able to get Randy Arozarena though. I know. That was the one thing where it was initially reported that it was going to be Manuel Margot and Glasnow for um, Johnny DeLuca and Ryan Pepio. But then there was some holdup as to maybe the deal wasn't done yet. Maybe they were discussing other outfielders other than Manny Margot. I was hoping it was going to be a Rosarena. But of course, if you add Randy Rosarena to the mix, the haul back to Tampa Bay was going to be a lot steeper and a lot yeah. heavier uh, than... DeLuca and Pepio is going to have to include maybe Michael Bush and maybe Gavin Stone, you know, you never know worth, worth it. Yeah. I, I would have done that. Uh, that's that what, that's what I would have done um, to, to, to get Randy Rosarena and Glasnow. Cause then you don't have to go shopping on the free agent market for an outfielder. Um, you got one in house, a young controllable talent and a guy that mashes in the postseason. but the off season is still young. So we, we don't know if that's, uh, that's, you know, a, a possibility, but like you said, you know, the Rays have been good the last few seasons, they're contenders. They're going to be contenders again in the ALE. So trading Randy Arozarena maybe may not be the best idea for them at this point in time. I did want to say one thing though, because, um, I was trying to find the report that I saw that Mookie Betts didn't attend the Yamamoto meeting or maybe he didn't go to the dinner or something. I was a little yeah. confused. I was trying to look that up. I couldn't find it anywhere. So the only, the only reports that I saw was that he was there for the Yamamoto meeting. So if he was there, which it, it sounds like he was, I apologize for, for making that mistake because uh, I don't know. I, I, for some reason I could have sworn I saw something that said initial reports that he was there. And then another report that he wasn't there, but at any rate, we know that, you know, Mookie Betts is a leader on this team. It's a three-headed monster now with Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Shohei Otani. In terms of big threes, I, I don't know how you can get any better than that, right? I mean, that that is like the biggest three you could possibly assemble. Easily the biggest big three in North America sports right now. It really is. This cripples the Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, and um, Freddie Freeman, big three. This is massive. This is maybe the biggest big three that we've seen in 20 plus years. Like you'd have to go back to maybe the Yankees to talk about another big three. Like, like A-Rod, like yeah, Teixeira. Yeah, A and Jeter. Yep. That was one yeah. team I was thinking of. Um, trying to, I'm trying to think of other recent big threes in baseball, but. I'm honestly blanking like Bonds and Kent, but I don't think they had another. Th I don't think they had a third guy. Yeah. Yeah. Rich Aurelia doesn't count. <laughs> um, but yeah, I want to thank Michael Carrillo for uh, pointing out what extension means and looks like Harmony's on it. She's confirming that he just didn't go to the dinner, but right. I swear sometimes these headlines are so misleading that 
Um, I saw what Jake saw online and they were trying to make it out like Mookie Betts wasn't there or I don't know. But if he was there, then awesome. Love that. Uh, let's get to Manuel Margot a little bit. I'm not the biggest Margot fan. I'm not I know impressed, that- Kevin. I'm not impressed. <laughs> he's he's a he's clearly a salary dump. The Rays are giving us four million, but he's a ten million dollar player. But I mean, there is some upside with this guy. He's 29. He's gonna be a platoon bat. He's a right-handed bat. Um, last season he hit a, a whopping 255. Or uh, sorry, he hit a whopping 264 with a 310 on base, 376 slugging, four home runs, 38 RBIs. First career, he's a 255 hitter. He's a he's a glove guy. He is a glove guy. He has not a lot of power whatsoever. Um, decent bat in the postseason, yeah, but not great. 753 OPS is what I saw. It was his postseason stat. So. Not the only terrible. thing I remember him from is getting picked off at home plate yes. like, by Kershaw. <laughs> he did get picked off by Kershaw. Um, I don't. I, I feel like the Dodgers don't even really want Manuel Margot. Maybe they're going to flip him in another trade. Maybe they keep him. But for now, we have to just accept that he is a Dodger. Um, the Robert Van Scoyock team, maybe they see something in him that they can tweak like they did with Jason Hayward. A season ago, maybe they can unlock something and they can um, unleash some more power. But yeah, I mean, he's an eight-year vet, only 29, from the Dominican Republic. Not too much to really be excited about. But it looks like when you break down this Dodgers roster now from position players, they only have one spot left. And do you go with a left-handed bat or a a right-handed bat? Interesting because I think I saw, I saw um, Blake Harris had put like a, um, a list out of like all the, the hitters that the Dodgers currently have. And there's one, it looks like one spot left. There's 12 already. If you go through all of them that we have, and I think you could go either way, right or left. Cause it, cause it's, it seems like they've got, a, a, a good balance of both. So it just depends on what, what you want. Um, I've been banging my fists on the table to, to bring back Kike Hernandez. I really want him back on this team. Uh, we watched him walk away once. Obviously he wanted to become a starter. So he went to the Red Sox and was a starting uh, player there, but we know that his greatest powers are unlocked are unleashed when he comes off the bench and you need him in the postseason, And he was the only, not the only one, but pretty much the only one in the, pl- in the playoffs that actually hit worth a damn. Uh, and, and just his personality, his vibe, the way he loves the Dodgers loves Los Angeles. I mean, just, I can't think of a better fit than bringing back Kike Hernandez. I, I don't know. What, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, it's tough. Kike is catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He makes a lot of sense. I think they need one more infielder. Um, but at the same time, we're kind of saying then F let the, where does, where does Miguel Vargas fit into this equation? Um, Michael Bush is still on this roster at this moment in time. If Michael Bush is on the roster, we can't have him sit another year in AAA. So it's going to come down to some decisions. That's what's finally awesome about this off season. Andrew Freeman is really cooking right now. It was dead for a while, but then Otani, the Otani news obviously opened up the door for a plethora of moves. So Kike makes the most sense, but at the same time, you have Miguel Vargas and Michael Bush on the roster. So we just kind of have to configure what Andrew Freeman's next move is. Um, 40 man roster is at 40 because they did trade two 40 man guys for two 40 man guys. So um, I'm, I'm excited. I think Kike. Kike, though, they got to bring back Kike. We talked about Jock Peterson last weekend because Margot is a right-handed bat. Chris Taylor is a right-handed bat. So do you need a left-handed bat to play left field? I don't know. Really, It's really an open-ended question. I mean, so many- we, had talked about, we had talked about Jocktober as a possibility. Yep. So let's see what we got going on here. I see we're getting some questions. So let's get into the Q&A actually right now. Um, first up, thank you guys all for listening. We got some Japanese audience members out there. So that's freaking awesome. That's the Shohei Otani effect for you all. Um, if you haven't hit the like button yet, please hit that like button. If you're loving the show, you got to hit that subscribe button. This is the best way for us to get more content out there. Let's get to a thousand subscribers. That'd be effing awesome. So let's see what questions we got. I'm going to start with, we'll start with Harmony Davis. Here's a fun question. Start one, cut one, and bench Ben. one so you our options are ken griffey jr barry bonds or jeff kent and it says if you cut kent you're fired well that's that's i'm fired because i'm cutting jeff kent i have as much as i love jeff kent i have to cut him not even in the same stratosphere um assuming i get prime barry bonds i'm starting barry bonds i'm sorry he's the best whether you have to acknowledge he cheated or not, just going off of what I saw, he's the best player clearly on this list. Yeah, I, I, I it's kind of a no-brainer. You got to go with you got to go with Barry Bonds. As good as Griffey was, I mean, there's there's no, I mean, all around Barry Bonds just he's the he's he's just the best. I mean, come on. This is a funny question from IV. Who do you think runs through more conditioner in a year? James Outman or Tyler Glass now? This is going to be a good battle for best hair, without a doubt. And yeah. the women are going to go crazy for Tyler Glass now. Uh, I believe he's off the market, as is James Outman. These are two very attractive men. So it's going to be a fun season for the ladies, without a doubt. Um, <laughs> I love the hair flow. This is this is this is an awesome move right there. I can't wait to see Tyler Glass now. It's just have his hair glisten in that Dodger stadium light. Um, but on a, on a like off topic note real quick, 
Well, hold we on. Who do, you think, who do you think goes through more conditioner? You didn't answer the question. Well, that's fair. Um, Outman. I was gonna go. I was gonna say Glass now, only because it seems like Glass now kind of maybe cares a little bit more about the way he looks. Fair enough. So we all know <laughs> Harmony. Glass Harmony now. goes. Harmony goes. Glass now and Outman are ugly. Okay. Whoa. We all know Cillian Murphy, Tyler Glass now. They've never been in the same room together. They very well could be the same guy. Jake, you're a movie person, obviously. Do you have a favorite Cillian Murphy role? Um, I mean, Oppenheimer. I mean, <laughs> that was the most recent one. And I believe it's Killian Murphy. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> I always I always seem to get those 50-50 ones wrong. Um, <laughs> I think Oppenheimer. I think Oppenheimer is the right answer. Prior to that movie, I would have said Inception. Yep. But yeah, Oppenheimer, he just blew he blew the the he just blew it out of the park. I mean, he was awesome. Pun intended or he should he should pun intended definitely. He should win the Oscar. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. He'll 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 be considered for sure. We got a question for Jake from Dennis Gonzalez. Any chance Margot could get flipped and we resign Kike? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's what you were saying, Kev, is that is that you that you think that yeah. if the Dodgers don't really believe in Manuel Margot and they're just accepting him as a salary dump from the Rays, I could definitely see that happening. I mean, they're still, if, as far as we know, in talks with possibly going after Dylan Cease. You know, I mean, there's still other yep. trades out there. Um, Willie Adamas is another one they could go after. So there, there there's some there's some options there, although. I'm not so sure like the Dodgers kind of only do like one big trade and then they, and then they kind of do free agent signing. So this Glasnow deal might be the big trade that they do and they could do, you know, a bunch of different minor trades, but yeah, I I don't know. It's, it's hard to see what they see in Manny Margot. Yeah. Again, I think they just had to take his contract to give up less in exchange for Tyler glass now. Um, from what I was hearing, the Atlanta Braves are very aggressive in on glass now. Um, but clearly we have better pitching prospects because the Braves gave up all their pitching prospects to acquire other guys. And so you give up Brian Pepio. It's a no brainer. I mean, it was just a perfect trade for both sides. Um, I just dropped the link to go vote on the incline awards. I'm probably going to announce those winners in February. So if you haven't done that yet, vote people. We need more ballots. Check out the categories. I'm telling you, it's a fun time. Michael Carrillo, who are we trading Bush to and for what? Um, pitching, I would, I would think in terms of what pitcher though, because I feel like if they sign Yamamoto, I don't know if they really need to trade for a starter. This, this is getting tough. It is tough. It's It's been tough tough for the past few seasons for Michael Bush because there's just no pathway to this team. It's just, it's, it's unfortunate because I want to see him play. You know, just like we got to see Miguel Vargas play last year, Michael Bush did not get the same luxury. So, but I, what I, well, I mean, he just, the pro, uh, my, my, the, the thought that popped in my head just now was, well, what if like, you know, Lux goes down with an injury, but like he can't play shortstop. So that, that doesn't really work. Um, I don't really know what you do. I mean, the thing is, is like you either, 
you either keep him around and kind of waste his career or you try and trade him. I mean, like he's, he's at the height of his powers right now as a prospect. So that to me would be the, the thing to do to try and find a trade partner. But, but I don't know, like you said, I mean, we, we got glass now and we're probably going to sign like a Yamamoto, but if we don't sign Yamamoto, maybe then, maybe then you do work him into a trade. Yeah. I think that's what we have to wait for that. You hit the key answer. We have to see what Yamamoto's decision is. Then we can kind of address this question. Um, Ivy, I always appreciate you dropping in here, but we already answered your question about the Otani elbow thing. So you can go back and go back to the beginning of the episode. We, we cover that. Uh, because this is Random Hero's first time, I'm not going to ignore the question, but I don't really want to do any more start bench cuts. But Kike, CT3, or Bush. We're cutting Bush. We can just move on, I think. So it's who do you like more, Kike or Taylor? Um, I'm starting. I'm going to go CT3 because I know I, I know that Kike is better off the bench. I agree with that answer. Um, let's see what else we got. Dennis Gonzalez, Murphy Scarecrow was great. Yes, I agree. Harmony thinks Dylan Cease is overrated. Maybe not overrated, but overvalued because it sounds like the White Sox just want way too much for him. Let's see what else we got. I haven't even read the entire question because it's a long one, but here we go. From Love the Azul, if the Dodgers continue to struggle in October, when do they start holding Dave Roberts accountable? We get this one like every every episode. I don't. We, we, All right. If the Dodgers continue know. to struggle in October, when do they start holding Dave Roberts accountable? Uh, I mean, no more Dave Roberts questions. Look, but, I mean, all I'll say this about I'll, I'll say this about Dave Roberts. The pressure is mounting. It's getting even. The pressure is getting bigger for him uh, to win. But like I said last episode, it it has to do with a case-by-case basis because you can't just fire the manager, you know, out, out based on based on nothing, right? Like you can't just if the team doesn't hit in the playoffs, you know, is that necessarily the manager's fault? Now, if he has and has a terrible postseason like a like I said, like a Rich Hill moment in game four of the 2018 World Series or a 2019 NLDS game five moment, bringing Kershaw back out there and all that. Like if he has one of those kind of postseasons, then he's got to be he's got to be on the hot seat. But I don't see them getting rid of Dave Roberts simply because they just brought in Otani and Otani kind of wants stability. So yeah. it's a tough position to, to be in. Uh I just hope that this team can win despite Dave Roberts. That's that's what I hope every season. <sighs> that's definitely the theme. What's up, Oscar Vargas? Uh, I think Miguel Vargas is probably more um, more inclined to be with the Dodgers long term over um, over Michael Bush. Let's see what we got here. Grumpy Loco. Do you think the Dodgers get Randy or Rosarena? No. I think the dream is dead. Yeah, not at this point. I thought I thought for sure he he was either going to be included in the Glasnow deal or he wasn't. Um, that's all the questions we have right now, but we do have about 10 more minutes of showtime. So if you want to ask some questions, drop them in the chat. We'll get to those in a few. Um, if you haven't hit that like button yet, I'm begging you, hit the like button, be a subscriber. 
um, to this Incline Dodgers podcast presented by TickPick. Jake, was there anything else you wanted to talk about real quick? What do you think this lineup is going to look like as it's currently constructed? We talked a little bit about this last time. And I don't know. I mean, any way you slice it, right? Any way you slice it, I mean, Mookie's obviously going to be lead off. But the but the big question is who bats third and who bats second? And Dave Roberts was on Sports, Sportsnet LA today after the press conference. And apparently during one of their meetings or workouts or something like that, Freddie Freeman kind of put Dave Roberts on the spot and said, all right, Skip, who's batting second? And yeah. Roberts didn't tell him what he was going to do. I mean, I think he's still, he's still thinking about it. So what would you do, Kev? If you, uh, if if you could write out the lineup, how would you stack it? Uh, I know the whole righty lefty, righty lefty thing is going to get people triggered, but okay. So Mookie leads off. I think I'm going to go Otani second. That way Freeman can bat, um, behind both of them and has great opportunities to drive them home. My cleanup hitter at this moment in time has got to be Max Muncie. So I'm going to have Will Smith bat fifth. Um, so um, in the six hole. <sighs> uh, for now, I'll go Hayward. I guess he can be in right field. That means Mookie's at second. Um Outman, you are going to bat behind Hayward, so you're in center field. That's the seven hole. Gavin Lux is my nine hole hitter, which means I'm missing. I'm missing um, left field. Taylor. So, yeah, I guess it's Taylor for now. I, that's that's the one thing I think the Dodgers could still look for. A right-handed bat. I know that. Actually, I was going to say a left-handed bat oh. to play left field. The entire lineup is left-handed. I know, but. The way that this game is kind of turned is I feel like 75, 80% of all starters now are right-handed. And so it doesn't really matter to have that many right-handed bats. You're going to encounter a few great lefties here and there, like the Blake Snells and the Max Freeds of the world. But I mean, let's face it. When the Dodgers were in the NLDS against the Diamondbacks, they rolled out three right-handed starters in a row. Yeah. The Texas, the Texas Rangers were the one team that actually had diversity. They had a good mix of lefties and a good mix of righties, but the Astros I think they were all right-handed. Um, the Phillies, they might've, they had one lefty Ranger Suarez, but I think they were predominantly right-handed. And so it's just hard to find many good lefties these days. And the Dodgers have plenty of them. So, but we know that they love to platoon. So they kind of need, yeah. that's why I'm saying that like Kike, who's a great hitter against left-handed pitching, Chris Taylor, another good hitter against left-handed pitching. They're going to need these guys to platoon when, you know, you want to take Hayward. You, you don't want to have Hayward face a left-handed starter. He's not good against left-handed pitching. You, you, you want to get him out of there. Altman though actually can hit left-handed pitching. So that's, that's encouraging. I just think, yes. I just think that they're going to need, to find one more right-handed bat. I mean, Kike Hernandez seems like the the logical fit if if Manuel Margot is not their guy. Yeah. Yeah, because right now Margot and then obviously Barnes, if he's there, they're both right-handed. Um, 
So yeah, they they still have a little more. Oh, oh we forgot about we forgot about Rojas is on the bench too. Oh, yep, there you go, another right-handed bat. Although I I don't know if I have faith of him being on this team long term, but we'll see. All right, we got a few more questions, and then we'll close out the show. Love the Azul. How long will Austin Barnes be on the roster? Kershaw is out. The gravy train is over. Bring up Cartaya. Okay, first of all, Diego Cartaya isn't even ready for Major League Baseball. He struggled in double A. He needs to prove himself first in triple A. If there's anyone that's going to take Austin Barnes spot right now, it's Hunter Fiducia. They brought him on the 40 man. He actually had a great season in triple A showed a lot of promise. He also balled out in spring uh, training. He did. And that, that was the primary reason that the Dodgers um, kept him on. So I think Barnes could get traded. There's still a lot of offseason left, even though there's been so much action this week between Otani and glass. Now we still have over three months or yeah, three months of off season to cover with spring training gelled in there. So there can be plenty of moves to be had. I mean, AJ Pollock was traded for Craig Kimbrell, like two days before opening day. It felt like, Oh, I hated that deal. Um, where are you going to trade Austin Barnes to? Who are you going to, I mean, who are you going to, a lot of teams, a lot of teams need a catcher or a backup catcher. Yeah, but it might be a cash considerations deal, but I feel like there are younger teams like there that, you know, Barnes has a cheap contract. You don't have to give up a lot to get him. You give up some random prospect. Maybe we get the, the next Jordan Alvarez for Austin Barnes type of deal. You never know. Yeah, you never know. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like the Dodgers love Austin Barnes. And I feel like the players love him. I mean, he's kind of viewed as like this pseudo captain guy. Um, he, doesn't, yes. he doesn't produce on the field at all. Like his bat is, he might as well go up there without one. And his mm-hmm. glove is okay. He does call a good game. He's a good pitch framer. But I think the Dodgers really like him. I mean, they like him for what he is, which is just a reliable backup catcher. And I think honestly, with the offense that this lineup is going to have, especially with Otani in it, I think you can afford Austin Barnes to be in there once, twice a week. We we cannot do this again because we know inevitably they're going to bring him off the bench in a critical postseason moment. We just know it's going to come and you need a better backup catcher. Like, a Carlos Ruiz like guy, someone that you can hit in the clutch. They trade AJ Ellis for Ruiz. It's time to do I that. Know, with Barnes. But it's like, but it's like, but, but like Barnes is such a fringe guy that like, if, doesn't, if, listen, if, if you're in a position where you need Austin Barnes to come through in the playoffs, you're not in a good position. Like that is not the position you should be in to where Austin Barnes comes up with a game on the line. You just know it's going to happen. And for the regular season, Austin Barnes isn't going to be a difference maker. They're going to win their games regardless of Barnes being in the lineup or not. But in no, the- I, I, that's what I'm saying. So what's the harm in carrying him as a backup catcher? Because to piggyback off my main point, you know you're going to need that backup catcher at some point to hit in the postseason. It just always seems to work out that way. And so I'd rather address the weak link now then get back into insanity of doing the same thing over and over 
It's funny how uh, you're now the you're now the anti Barnes guy. I know the tables have truly turned. Yeah, they have. Artia three is it true? Yamamoto grew up a Dodgers fan. I don't know him. Do you know Jake? Well, I heard that he said that he was a Dodgers or like there was some affiliation with it, like that he liked the Dodgers. I don't know if he grew up a Dodgers fan, yeah. but certainly there's a connection there. Can't confirm it. Um, let's see. Harmony Davis. Would you take a flyer on Madison Bumgarner? Hell no. Moving on. Ivy. Hold yeah. on. Uh, Janello Kitty says, yes, he did. Referring to Yamamoto growing up a Dodgers fan. So I guess, I guess he did. I'd heard that he was a fan. I didn't, I didn't know that he had grown up. I mean, up I heard Davis Vassay say that, but I haven't heard it from himself. Right. If you caught Otani's first home run as a Dodger, what would you ask in return for it? We had a question like this two years ago about Aaron Judge. I'll have the same answer. He must come on this podcast with the interpreter and I'll take I'll take tickets. I, I don't care about the money, honestly. I would I I think I might I think I might take the same deal. That's that's a pretty sweet deal. The podcast thing is what I think really would would elevate us. If Otani was on yeah. our podcast, that would be great. Yep. Michael Carrillo, what anime songs is Otani getting walk is is Otani getting for his walk-up songs? I literally could not name you one anime song. If Dude, you're the music if, guy. If Pokemon's theme song counts as anime, that's oh all I no, got. That, that's How just... fucking cool would it be if Shohei Otani? Now I'm in. What if he walked up to the Pokemon theme song? That's just at Dodger <laughs> Stadium. I don't know. <laughs> that would be awesome. Gotta catch yeah. them all. Yes. Listen to the theme song after this episode and get back to me if you think it'd be hype or not. <laughs> I know what it sounds like. Emmanuel Dominguez, should bets be leading off or should bets be leading of second instead of leading since he's been struggling going to first lately? No idea what we're trying to ask here. I, I think he's saying, should he be batting second uh, versus versus leading off because he's struggling to get on base? I think that's what, what that means. Um, I think that Mookie Betts historically has been a leadoff hitter and his success has come from him in the leadoff spot. So I don't foresee the Dodgers changing that up. It is unfortunate, though, that he is quite slow, which is kind of weird. Uh, and he doesn't really steal bases. That's unfortunate. But the game has changed so much that like the the sort of prototypical leadoff hitter is kind of dead. Totally agree with that. All right. This is the second to last question. We are no longer accepting any more. Harris highlights who was here at the beginning. So let's get to this one. Would you want to see the Dodgers rock a six-man rotation, especially if they get Yamamoto, who is used to it, allows you to give Glasnow and Bueller more rest. And this is Blake Harris representing. I mean, this is a brilliant idea right here. I have been on board with the six-man rotation for two seasons now. So have I. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah. And the only thing that's always been holding it up is they just don't have enough healthy arms. But yes, they should roll into 2024 with a six-man rotation. So if we could just try to name the six guys right now, We'll say Yamamoto is a Dodger for this scenario. So Yamamoto, Glasnow, Miller, Bueller, Sheehan's your five, 
and then you battle it out for that six man. But for um, simplicity's sake, they need a lefty in there, so they give it to Ryan Yarbrough. And then what if they get Kershaw too? So that's also some uh, a factor. I love a six man rotation. I'm surprised more teams and franchises don't use it, but I guess you need the you need the starting pitching in order to do that. So if the Dodgers stack the deck and get enough starting pitching, which has been their offseason plan pretty much the entire time, then I think you do. If you have enough, if you have six healthy arms, I think you do that. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be a lot of bullpen games and calling guys up. Michael Grove. I mean, you're going to see a lot of that where you're, you're going to have guys making spot starts like Gavin Stone. Um, but if you have six starters that are healthy and reliable, why not? It's a long season. And giving these starters more rest, especially the injury proneness of the majority of this starting rotation, I don't see why you wouldn't try something like that. Yeah, I think baseball's inevitably, inevitably going to sp- swing to a six man rotation where every guy pitches maybe once a week or a Monday and Sunday, just because Jake already mentioned the injuries are skyrocketing uh, for a variety of reasons. And for the Dodgers to have six starters, and then maybe you throw in uh mouth vomit, Michael Grove in the, out of the bullpen to give you some length. And maybe I, I guess there really isn't any other options, but if you can have piggyback starts and then you have your five other starters, they got to get creative with innings down. This game is really shifted in directions, and not even the relievers can stay healthy on a consistent basis. So not only for the starters, but you got to find a way to keep relievers' appearances down because a guy like Bruce Targrowderall, it's not good for his arm or our shoulder to go out three nights in a row. Yeah, exactly. Which is brings me back to my Ryan Brazier point. Got to get it done. The final question from Michael Negretti. How about trading for Mitch Keller from the Pirates? That's uh, Chris Camello's guy, Mitch <laughs> Keller. He loves Mitch Keller. And also that that reliever from the Nationals. I can't remember his name. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, I, whatever. Let me, it doesn't let me matter. Find He's it. bad. Um, <laughs> I like Mitch Keller a lot, but as we've seen, Kev, you know how the Pirates always hold us hostage. I mean, they really ask for the freaking moon and the stars every time we get into a negotiation with them. So I don't know how they feel about giving up a Mitch Keller. It doesn't, it doesn't appear as though the pirates are going to be contenders this year. So they might want to sell high on Mitch Keller, given the fact that he had a pretty good season last year. I I would love it, but the, but the prop, the big problem right now with the starting rotation is that you have no lefties. So you've got Yarborough, but that's it. That's why that's why I'm so high on Montgomery. And of course you got Kershaw floating out there, kind of unknown. But I just would I just would prefer to have at least one reliable lefty starter. Yeah, I agree. Um I wouldn't mind the Mitch Keller acquisition. He's not really a front of the line guy, but he can provide a number of innings. And then we didn't bring up Lucas Giolito, but he is also another fallback option for the Dodgers. Again, I think a lot just hinges on what happens with Yamamoto. But once we get that answer, I'm sure he's going to sign any day now. And that will really open up another Pandora's box. We've got we've got the Otani box that's opening right now. And then once Yamamoto makes his decision, um, 
it'll escalate even further. You're going to just see big names sign every single day. It'll be like NBA offseason status. Um, I just lost my train of th- I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, Jake, what are your, what are your what are your final thoughts here? Anything else you want to cover real quick or close there's out nothing the show? else I really uh, there's nothing else I really want to cover, but I do want to say this. It's weird being in this position as a Dodgers fan. I mean, we are now the most hated team in baseball. Um yeah. We are we've just signed a generational talent best player in the game for pennies on the dollar. I mean, yes, it's $700 million, but all of that's going to be deferred the entire time. Otani is a Dodger. So we have the flexibility to build an absolute juggernaut, which if the Dodgers get bounced in the first round of the playoffs again is going to be that much more devastating. But honestly, I I can take the pain at this point. We've been through this every single year. We get disappointed. Either it's the first round or we're in the World Series. It's been this way every single season. So to have the hype be as high as it is, we're used to this. But I've never been in a position to to where we're the most hated team in Major League Baseball. I mean, that, that title has been held by the New York Yankees since the inception of baseball. Um, <laughs> you know, like they've always been the most hated ones. They have the most World Series titles. They have 27 World Series titles. So, or is it 28? No, it's 27. 27. 27. They have 27 World Series titles. So obviously they're going to be the most hated ones because they're the most successful. The Astros are hated because they're cheaters. But now that the Dodgers have gotten Otani, they are the most hated team in baseball. How do you feel about that, Kevin? I mean, I agree with what you're saying, Jake. But I do feel like before that, the Astros cheating scandal, there was randomly a lot of hate towards the Dodgers. We were kind of stealing the Yankees thunder. Um, I feel like it really started to build up with the Guggenheims because we were spending a lot of money while everyone was sitting on their hands. And it kind of felt like the whole world was rooting against us in 2017 and 2018. And honestly, even 2020, even before we won the World Series, I feel like there was just a lot of resentment because the Dodgers were essentially doing everything right. But yeah, you are right. Ultimately, with this Otani and the moves that are following, now it's just becoming a unanimous, like we are really surpassing the Yankees in terms of the most hated team in Major League Baseball. Um, So kind of like closing in with my final thoughts, it looks like over the last hour it broke that Shohei Otani's camp gave the Angels every opportunity to match the Dodgers 700 million, and he chose not to. So just another slap in the face by Artie Moreno to all the Angels fans out there. I mean, <laughs> if he had gone back to the Angels, then we would have known it was all about the money. That's true. But to not even not even match it, it's just this is just embarrassing for Artie. Like I mean, it's you've been done it all for a long time. Yeah, he they need to get him out of there. Like the Angels for me growing up, the angels were like a respectable franchise. Yeah. They, they were winning. They won a world series. Obviously that was before Artie. And then the 2010s, they were in the mix or I should say the, the late two thousands, mid 2010s. They, it felt like they were in the playoffs almost every year. And then once Mike Trout entered his prime, it just really f- collapsed. Yeah. I like that by Dennis Gonzalez, Artie Morano. <laughs> Perfect.
All right, that, that's a great way to close out the show. Thank you guys all for watching. If you haven't hit that like button yet, well, as you exit the door, please hit that like button. Let's fucking rock this show. Um, so be a subscriber. If you're listening on the audio feed, thank you guys for listening as well. Hit that like button. Uh, participate in the Incline Daughters Award, third year. Join our Discord. That's a link provided below as well. You guys are awesome. This is an amazing time to be a Los Angeles Dodgers fan. And I just cannot wait for the next domino to fall. And once that happens, we'll be back breaking down the news. So Tyler Glass now is a Dodger. Manuel Margot is a Dodger. And <laughs> Shohei Otani is a Dodger. Let's go. Let's go, Jake. Let's go. All right. Peace out, everyone. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.